1: Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the boss at Windy City Gridiron, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, the Bears had a really exciting first half. It was like, (laughs) what is going on here? But, you know, blew their wad uh, in the first half and just, uh, you know, natural order of things established itself in the second half. Um, so how are you doing today despite the loss of the Packers?
2: I think all fans that, that follow the Bears closely expected that second half to happen. I mean, there was no way the Bears were going to keep it going. 27 first-half points, that was ridiculous. I mean, the defense wasn't doing much. The offense looked fantastic. There was some special teams. That was just just a whole package from the Bears in that first half on, on offense and, and special teams, and we all knew Rodgers was going to do Rodgers things, and he did.
1: Yeah, I want you know what I want to start off with, though. So the Bears lose 40 to 30, 45 to 30, which, yeah. you know, ugly, ugly score. Uh, but to make matters worse, we had to listen to the slurp fest. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> of Hal Michaels and especially Chris Collinsworth. They were just uh, to another level. That was beyond anything that we got in the like the Madden Favre years where it was like, God, are you crushing on this guy? What's wrong with you, John Madden? This was like to the point where, I mean, are they trying to get invited to Rogers like pool party next summer? Like, were they trying to like sit at the cool kids table? Like, I do not understand the level of obsession that they were talking about him with and excusing some of the like really negative stuff that Rogers has been involved with this year. It's just like, Oh, just shenanigans kind of talk. And like, I, I found it completely just disgusting. And honestly, I thought it was kind of unprofessional. What did you think?
2: You know, I wonder how much of that is is them doing their own thing or how much of that is actually driven by NBC. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean, there are, there are producers. You know, maybe that's one of the talking points is, you know, really talk up Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's, you know, one, one of the best players in the league. It's just weird to hear. Like you mentioned, you mentioned stuff with Favre and Madden back in the day. You know, I didn't mind it back then as much because I kind of took it as a place where, where with John Madden, he's always kind of goofy to begin with. So I think he was just playing up to the to the to how goofy that was, but like you said with Collinsworth, it was like, settle down, buddy. You know, it's just uh, you know, it's 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 just a game. You know,
1: (laughs) it was a slurp fest was the (laughs) only way that I could describe it. Yeah, with Madden and Favre, I mean, it got comical towards the end, but you know, at least with him, it was just like he just loved his play so much, right? Like he just like ah Brett Favre, you know. And this was just this like he was bringing in personal stuff it was bringing in this like state of mind and this you know the ownership thing and like how much bs they talked about that for so long and it's like get out of here with this like it's so much can we talk about anything else anything else i i mean like i would love to see somebody dissect the transcript and see just how much they talked about this last night cuz it was disgusting i
2: the the graphic they showed with Soldier Field turning uh, Packers colors and oh that that disgusted me watching that happen on NBC that was that, that to me that was too far I mean the 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 stuff with Collinsworth and but when they showed that graphic and just disrespecting Soldier Field that was just too far in my opinion
1: yeah and like Adam Schefter you know piling on oh, it's like geez. these
2: guys what are
1: you doing you think that like, he's gonna like you or something he's gonna invite <laughs> you to his party I just it's so stupid but yeah. All right, well, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this loss. There were some interesting things that happened, obviously. I mean, you don't have 30 points. I mean, we're going to talk about that. But we always start with the trench tribute. Um, it is your turn to start off this week. So who are you highlighting in the trenches?
2: I mean, it was a crazy game because, you know, the, the pressure was all over fields all game. And then on defense, of course, they gave up 45 points. So I'm going to go with a guy we haven't talked about yet. And, and honestly, I think he's been perfect. For his entire Bears career, and that is good. old forty-eight, Patrick Scales, <laughs> long snapper. Okay, here. again, an, an, another perfect night from Patrick Scales. Um, he just he, he does what he does every game. He, he he's he's always on point with his snaps, and I just think it's nice to uh, in a game like that, especially where you know things just kind of really you know went went went, went, went 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 bad in the second half. Let's talk about the long snapper, Patrick. Scales.
1: That's amazing. I did not expect to be talking long snapper tonight. All right. So this gives me an opportunity to talk about two guys. One is just like, I just want to say thank you, Jason Peters. Um, I think you see what happens when he's not playing.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and uh awesome that he was, you know, came in off the river, was able to do what he did for the, the a substantial part of the season. Um, he really probably helped saved a lot of hits on Justin Fields and Andy Dalton um, versus what the Bears had as a backup option. And so he got hurt early in the game and that forced Tevin Jenkins in. Um, Tevin Jenkins did not look very good, but you know he is a rookie and he came off back surgery and he probably wasn't in shape to do this and he probably wasn't ready mentally um, either. And so I, I don't. we're not going to talk about Tevin Jenkins in that way, but just thank you to Jason Peters. I just wanted to say that. And then we have to talk about Robert Quinn. Yes. Um, It looked like at first it was a sack and a half. They changed the half sack to a full sack. So he got credit for two sacks yesterday. That puts him up to 14. So we are officially on franchise record sack watch. This is 17 and a half, right? 17 and a half is Dent's record. Dent had 17 and a half and he had another year of 17. Um, And so, you know, Dent has most of the top years in, in Bears history. Robert Quinn's hunting. He's got 14. He's got four games left. Two of them are against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. One of them is against the Giants. Like in Russell Wilson is the other game. Wilson takes plenty of sacks. Um, and so, you know, it's possible. Like it, this this thing is in reach. Very exciting to see a franchise market uh, put into jeopardy. I'm really excited to see if Robert Quinch can do that. He played, he played pretty well. He's maybe mm-hmm. the only player <laughs> in that defense that played – uh, at the level that he did. I mean, Jalen played, Jalen just played pretty well, but, uh, you know, got beat, you know, a couple times by the best receiver in the league yeah. as the best quarterback in the league throwing it to him, but um, have to at least acknowledge that Robert Quinn is hunting right now.
2: Quinn did have that discount double check sack though. And I, I saw some on Twitter, I think, I guess every time he's done it. Rodgers has kind of come back and really put it on the team that he's been on, but I mean that's that's for Aaron Rodgers. He does it to everybody anyway. He's going to do it anyway. Yeah. He's going to do it. it was, yeah, it was coming.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I say get get your licks in while you can. You know exactly. that had nothing to do with why uh you know why Rodgers came back. He's just a fire breathing dragon. So all the time. All right. Well, let's get into sweet tweets. So uh, interesting couple days on Twitter as it always is. Uh, you know, around a Bears game. But who did you want to highlight for the the Twitter? of the week
2: so i'm watching a game and, and there was some like i said it was a really crazy game stuff happening you know Demir bird lined up in the backfield one time he ran a a, a texas route an angle route out of the backfield you know they got him matched up with a safety great schemed up play to get a guy with you know four three speed there so, so i actually had a tweet last night you know talking about the play you know how they actually schemed him up finally and then jb at gridiron born Which is my co host here. (laughs) I'm so honored. (laughs) He he tweets back Bears sign all the speed. Bears take 14 weeks to figure out how to use it. Sounds about right, which is exactly, I mean, it's something we've talked about a lot on this show. It's like, what's the point of adding Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird? You have Mooney on the roster. You know, you you sign Perriman, you know, another really fast guy who never saw the field. And then you don't figure out how to scheme them up. There are ways to scheme these guys up. We saw a variation of, of a jet sweep with uh, with with uh, Grant for a big, long touchdown. There are ways to get the balls in these speedsters hands in space. Matt Nagy, for whatever reason, him and Bill Lazor, they can't figure out how to do this. Every team in the league can scheme their guys up a couple touches if they want to. We rarely see it in Chicago. I cannot wait to see a. New regime, a, 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 a new offensive system that understands, put the ball in your playmaker's hands and let them operate.
1: Yeah, it really does seem like there was a disconnect between what Ryan Pace was doing and what Matt Nagy does as an offensive designer and Bill Lazor and, all, you know, all those guys like, you, you know, here we've built your receiving core at basically with just top-end speed and you have them run curls. <laughs> and it's like what are you doing like that's He's, not what those they, guys are
2: for those stagnant routes routes make no sense you know you have to get them on the move you have to let them use their speed I mean there's been a lot of talk about there's no separation from the receivers you know part of it is because there's so many damn stagnant routes curls hitches you know there's just not enough stuff where they're where they're dragging across the fields and and this this play with bird last night it's just such a perfect example you put them in the backfield you know, you get him matched up against the safety. Number 41 is trying to cover Demir Bird. Right. That, that's a mismatch. He comes out of the backfield, quick, a, a quick angle route. He's open. And now he catches the ball, and now there's nothing in front of you with grass. And with that speed, he outran everybody. And it was just, where has that been? You know, that, that should have been a staple of training camp. We should have been seeing this entire season. Guys like that, you know, studs like that, Goodwin, uh, Bird, Grant coming out of the backfield just to put them in, in, in a different place, you know, try and find the mismatch and Matt Nagy cannot find the mismatch.
1: Yeah. Stress the defense. I mean, I think, you know, if, if you built your wide receivers as a bunch of bigger wide receivers that could just body guys, yes. sure. That's what you're talking about. Box out. You're, you're going to win routes with, with that size and power, but you've got speedy guys, but you're making them run routes designed for bigger guys to run like it, it's just another example another brick in this wall of like what is this guy doing like I just don't know that he has a full understanding of what you know how to use all your players and, and how to build an offense but well my tweet I, uh, I pulled one from Zach Pearson he's at Zach underscore Pearson and he brought up an interesting mark um, he says the Bears reached 30 points last night marking just the 12th time in the Matt Nagy era, they have hit that mark. He has coached 63 games. So it's modern NFL 30 points is not crazy. Like you see that plenty around the league and for Nagy to only have 12 games with 30 points and barely got there. I mean, like, you know, had to kick that field goal at the end, um, you know, to, to get up to 30, but 12 games of 30 points and 63 contests, that's, I mean, it's just that, again, yet another ex- example of Matt Nagy's futility in offensive football, and this is supposed to be an offensive-minded head coach. Um, I just, I found that to be kind of a staggering number.
2: What's his record in those games, I wonder? It can't be very good, just because it's Matt Nagy we're talking about here. It's, it's I'm, I, I'd be very curious to go back and watch those. I know there's been a few, you know, it's not like the Bears are getting in shootouts teams, but you know, just Matt Nagy, I just would expect, you know, especially with the last, the last few years, that number would probably be uh, pretty bad.
1: Probably a few wins against the Lions. And then there's that Buccaneers game the I'm, Bucks. I'm, off the top of my head. You know, those are the Bears fans. The all, all, we, we
2: always harken back to that wonderful game. It was uh, oh. five, six touchdowns for Mitch. That was yeah. Uh, yeah. such a long time ago.
1: It, it really was. And <laughs> I, I just, the number of games this year that I think it was. There's now seven losses with uh, double-digit points uh, this year. Like I, I think that there's, um, yeah. I think it's seven losses I saw that, that. Are, that are that are two scores. That's a lot. And you know, you still got four games left. Hopefully, no more added to that to um, that particular there'll, there'll column. Be more. But, but that's a lot for 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 a season for your fourth season where things are supposed to be going pretty well. And you know, it's just not even keeping games close this year. And that that's the embarrassing thing. Is is it's just. There's plenty of, there's been plenty of embarrassing moments where the game's over. The game's over right away.
2: I think as fans, we knew those games coming in. Like this game, we knew it was going to be just a, a, a butt kicking. The Cardinals game was going to be a butt kicking. I mean, there's been a few games where we've been surprised as fans, but for the most part, this season has been, you know, it's what we expected. It's been nice having Justin Fields kind of give us some of that flash and excitement, but we knew this was happening with this roster.
1: Yeah, what about stats? Did you pull any interesting numbers that you'd like to talk about?
2: The number I got this week is uh, 49%. Okay. And that is the, uh, the percentage of defensive snaps that Travis Gibson played. Okay. He played 32 snaps, and that's actually his smallest percentage of defensive snaps since way back on week six. But week six, of course, he wasn't starting. Week six, we still had Khalil Mack in, in the building. Um, so why was his snap so low? Right, because Bruce Irvin wanted to get 60% of the snaps. (laughs) How how did Bruce Irvin do on those uh, pass rushing opportunities? Bruce Irvin had no stats at all in the whole game. Uh, Gibson had a sack. You know, I just don't understand the point of this. this. Again, the coaching staff, why are they playing 34-year-old Bruce Irvin, fresh off the practice squad, more snaps than your second-year outside linebacker, who is part of the future, I would assume, you know, he has four sacks this year, uh, 12 games. He has five starts, 29 tackles, six tackles for loss. I want to see more Travis Gibson. Right. I don't give a damn about Bruce Irvin, 34 years old. He adds nothing. I mean, yes, he's a, he's a depth piece. You need him, you know, but he should not be getting more snaps than, uh, than your, than your second year pro.
1: No, not at all. And and I think I saw the stat that he had 25 pass rushes and zero
2: pressure, zero pressures. I saw the, uh, oh.
1: so Uh, Not exactly the guy that you want in there. He's, I mean, you know, he's on his last legs. Uh, Like you say, he's there to try to give Travis Gibson a series or two off. That's it. Take over (laughs) the snaps. Like what what are we doing? Uh, Yeah. It's a lot of things that confuse me. All right. So my stat of the week is one. The number one, okay, and that is uh, Matt Nagy is now only one game above 500 in his Chicago Bears tenure. If oh. we count the 0 pre- 2 uh, postseason record, okay, um, so that's what I'm doing here. So, counting his 0 2 postseason, he is only one game above 500. There are four games less than left this year, assuming that he is employed for the last four games. Which, if he didn't get fired today, which we were told was a possibility by some people that you know might know some things. Uh, if he did not get fired today, he's probably going to finish out the year, which which I think is a mistake. But four games left, he needs to split those games to stay above 500. Otherwise, he's going to risk hitting 500 or going below it. So, uh, interesting to see if he is able to stay above 500 for his uh,
2: Chicago Bears tenure. I mean, they gave up 45 points to the Packers on national television, and he's still employed. So it's like you know, the, the the only thing that may save this whole thing from 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 not going you know where he stays the whole year is the new rule that lets you look for a head coach in week 17 that may give the McCaskies a reason to get off their hands and do something. But like you said, I doubt it. You know, he, he could be here till the end of the year just because that's the, that's what the bears do.
1: I don't really get it. I, everybody's like, well, they've never done a hundred year history. They've never done it. I'm like, yeah, that's something that's true until it's not like, yeah. you can't just say that like they will never do it because it's not like their it.
2: policy as, as a franchise, you know, yeah, it, just, not, it just, it just happened expensive. to work out that way. Right. And so,
1: yeah, I mean, likely that they wouldn't do it, but you've got, you know, a, a longer week because the bears don't play till Monday night. And so is the thinking now, like, well, it's another national game. So maybe we don't want to do that and look like that. And then like, it just, you, you I have no idea. I don't know what they're waiting for because you know that they're ready. They're ready to, to move on. I'm just interested to see if he leaves with, an, uh, with a 500 record or not. I, I mean, I, I know that no one else cares about that, but I just. No, that's interesting. interesting.
2: I mean, it's you know, it's, I mean, like for his first three years in Chicago was, he's never had a losing record. Right. You know, that's out the window. And then now his entire overall record could be out the window too.
1: Yep. That's how bad this year has been. Oh. So brutal. Oh. All right, well, we'll take a quick break. On the other side of this, we'll get into everybody's favorite segment, the three bears.
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them.
1: All right, Lester, let's get into this. So the three bears, hot bowl of porridge. Who was the Chicago bear that performed at a higher level than you expected?
2: You know, I think uh, this is a first for me. I usually do always have a player in this spot, but I'm going to go with the coach. And that's a uh, special teams coach, Chris Tabor. Uh, I just think okay. the special teams overall uh, were really good all night long. Uh, the the part return touchdown, the onside kick, you know, there were some muffs. I mean, his guys were all over the field. And I think that, you know, Chris Tabor's a guy that if a move is made with Matt Nagy being gone, he's taken over for the last couple of games. And, you know, I mean, I think uh, we've talked before as special teams coach, I think those guys have a unique way to look at a roster because, you know, they work with everybody. So I always like seeing special teams coaches get a shot. We talked about Dave Toe before, you know, I think that's just something neat. If we can see Chris Tabor, you know, possibly, you know, finish out the year as the, uh, as the head man, at least on on an interim basis for a couple of games. I I don't think he's going to come back, obviously. Um, If, if they, if they get rid of the staff, he's gone, but I think it'd be good for him to to let him kind of run the ship for a little while.
1: We're on the same page. I actually talked, my, my hot bullet board is just to the special teams. And so you had Jakeem Grant's 32 yard punt return, which was a really nifty little punt return. You had his 97 yard touchdown. Now, The process isn't very good. Like, I'm still not a huge fan of the, like, you know, catching it where he did and then stop coming to a dead stop. And I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. You know, one of those. Uh, Then you had Khalil Herbert. He had two kick returns that got the Bears out to the forty. You had another, uh, uh, you, you had the onside recovery, which you mentioned. You had the muffed punt, which was recovered by the Bears, but it was negated by, I, I think, a rather weak penalty. on It was a very court. weak penalty. I, I understand that they legally can call that. I just think it was a rather weak. He, he did get back in right away. That Did you I, see I, the, I, the
2: tweet? I think it was Adam Hogue tweeted the uh, the Packers player that was like, like 10 yards out of bounds, and he stayed out there. They didn't even call it
1: that's a penalty when you that's when you go out and you don't make an effort to come back yeah. in Vilder, you could say like well it does look like he kind of ran out but he can't, he, can't, he ran right back in yeah. and so i i just don't agree with, with with that penalty and that would have been a, a big play obviously mm-hmm. it would it was a muff punt um i the other the other thing i wanted two unforced errors by the packers they kicked the ball out of bounds and the bears were smart enough to not touch it out of bounds. And then Cairo Santos tried to kick it out of bounds and the Packers player basically just like bumped it out. So they had to stop. They had to start at the five. So there's, there's a, uh, you know, I I mean, you can't give Cairo Santos credit for like a coffin corner kickoff, um, but like unforced error, but the bears had starting field position, you know, at the 40 yard line, three times, because one, because of the penalty on the kick, and then those two kick returns by Khalil Herbert, and then you had uh, a really good punt return by Grant that was around midfield, and then you obviously had the touchdown where he scored. That's an incredible uh, uh, special teams effort. Not to mention that that re- the recovery, um, it it was really impressive. Uh, Cairo Santos three for three on field goal attempts. So all the way around special teams, uh, you know what I just listed. That is like eight weeks or 10 weeks of Bears special teams highlights. They did it all in one game, and they lost by two scores.
2: This this kind of reminds you of the – mentioned Dave Tobe, the Dave Tobe era. I mean, that was – the Lovey Smith, I mean, he really – emphasize emphasized defensive special teams. I mean, that was how the old school bears played football. And, you know, it was kind of nice to see just kind of a, a, a throwback stuff there. And you mentioned the, the, the punt return for a touchdown, that's the longest in bears history, which I was shocked to hear because I assumed it was Hester, but, and it was uh Johnny Bailey is, whose record he broke there.
1: I, I doubt Hester <laughs> broke rules too often. Yeah. maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I don't know how many times he fielded uh, punts inside the five, but anyway i'm
2: sure there was a few i mean like like with grant i mean grant he has that kind of speed you know he, he, that's probably why he has a green light if, if it's there and if he has some stuff in front of him he was he's allowed to take it that like i'm like you i was like no 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 yes because because he stopped you know the dead stop i mean if the you dead catch stop it, i was if, like if you're gonna catch out. it back there yeah you better have a path he didn't really have a path it makes you wonder did, did they set that up that way because it had a really nice picket fence on that sideline it was set up nicely
1: Yeah. i mean (laughs) i don't know man Uh, i'm I'm reaching here you're right there was a good it was a good line there but it's like why would he you you think it's like a juke like a like he's like i'm gonna start off right and heavy i don't know i mean hester would set up blocks like that like he'd set people up like he'd take that false step and he'd go back the other way like i mean he was amazing in that but that was something that was weird like he went one direction and he came to a dead stop like that I would I mean I was like I like I said it out loud I was like no and then oh <laughs> okay never mind
2: I guess when you have that speed you feel that you know you're, you're invincible and then when the game was over he was actually at, at a press conference uh I think it was on the on the app and he, he was pretty excited about his overall play and you know, he's a guy that I, I think uh, I would like to see him come back. I think he's, he's kind of deserving of, of that role. And if, if the price is right, I think, you know, wh- whoever the new coaching staff is, they can find a way to use a guy like team grant. Yeah, I agree.
1: All right. What about the flip side of that? Who do you want to highlight for the cold
2: bowl For my order? cold? It's a uh, any cornerback on the roster, not named Jalen Johnson, because <laughs> I know it's, it's speeding a dead horse, but, come on, you know, it's Artie Burns, it's Xavier Crawford, you know, it's just, you know, Marquis Christian played some nickel because of the injury, so again, it's Ryan Pace, somewhere along the way has decided, this is the group, these are the guys, this is all you need, Sean Desai, you're fine with this group, and I know Sean Desai has a lot of critics on, on you know, out there right now too, but what is he supposed to do when Opposing quarterbacks and just say, I'm just not going to throw the ball near Jalen Johnson. I'll try and avoid Eddie Jackson. The rest of these guys, I'm going to throw at those guys all day long. And if your pass rush can't, can, you know, can't get home within a couple seconds, I'm going to eat. And that's what's been happening all year.
1: All right, so I I answered this in a slightly different way because I had ryan pace's secondary (laughs) as my as my just right wavelength as my just right because you know what i've been talking about it all year like i have been but before the year i was like this is going to be bad and and i i remember i titled an article the secondary is a primary problem and people got mad at me they got mad at me and i'm like guys this is it is not good this is not you got one player that you can count on that you're hoping will take a take a step in Jalen Johnson and they got destroyed by Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and you know MVS and Alan Lazard because they're really good and that's predictable and this is an incredibly thin uh talented group like they just they have a lot of guys that probably should be practice squad guys or maybe guys that shouldn't be in the league at all so this is exactly what I expected and and to me this is this is being right in like a bad, bad way. Like, okay, so you, you have like a food or a drink that you know is disgusting, but you try it anyway, right? Like, so you got a friend at the bar that's like, we all need to take shots. And he comes back and he's got shots of Malort.
2: Malort, yeah, I knew you were like, going there. This oh. is
1: going to be bad. This is, this is going to be disgusting. I know this, but you drink it anyway. And you're like, yep, that's bad. That's disgusting. That's what I saw on Sunday night. I know that the Bears cornerback group is bad. I know it. I, I, I've i known it all year. They're thin, and now they're beat up a little bit, which is what happens in an NFL season. And so I fully expected them to get destroyed by Aaron Rodgers and this receiving group.
2: How Not bad surprising. must must Thomas Graham look in practice where they can't even give him some run? I mean, I hope at some point in the last few games, they say, they say hey, let's get the rookie out there just to get them some play, because we saw last year, we saw Vilder and Shelley get some play towards the end because of injury. And, you know, they weren't the worst, but there were some holes in their game. You know, teams, there was no book on them yet. Teams didn't realize, oh, yeah, those guys suck bad. Let's go after them. They got some, some film on them, and they realized, yes, we're going to target those guys every chance we get. How bad does Thomas Graham look? We can't even get out there he's got to look bad (laughs) (laughs) or or you know it's like this the Travis
1: Gibson thing where he's getting 50 percent of the snaps right I mean like you don't know what this what this coaching staff doesn't always make a lot of sense but all right what about I blew the that one but so so that
2: was your just right okay so uh what do you have for your cold so I mean these could probably
1: be be somewhat interchangeable because I'm being snarky on both (laughs) Um, but, but I'll go here. So I, I want to talk uh, cold bowl of porridge for me was Matt Nagy and I don't expect anything of Matt Nagy. So he could have got the just right. Like <laughs> you I could have done yeah. the snarky thing to him too. Um, so no halftime adjustments, of course, like he just always gets out coached. If there is a better coach on the other sideline, he's going to get out coached. And Matt LaFleur is a better coach than Matt Nagy. And he got out coached at halftime. Packers made adjustments. Matt Nagy didn't um game management once again he cannot figure this stuff out you're the underdog you are on the road against a team that's fighting for the number one overall seed in the nfc you're 11 and a half 12 point underdog depending on where that's settled first possessions fourth and seven from the plus 40 he decides yeah. to punt O'Donnell kicks it into the the back of the end zone because it's hard for a punter to kick it not that far um so a 20 yard net Second possession, he gets first and goal from the five, ends up kicking a 28-yard field goal. So he could go up three to nothing. So he had two positive drives, he gets three points out of it. That is not playing like you're an underdog on the road trying to steal a win. And then, the worst one, well, I don't know about the worst. Those are bad. Because right? that's sets the total. There's up. a lot of worst. There's a But this one is bad. You're fourth and inches from your own 37. In the fourth quarter, you're down 11 points and you punt. and. He's ah yeah. If I could have had that back, I would have went for it. And I and I I like. Why would he
2: admit that in his press conference today? That is such a dumb decision on his part. Well, and then he admits that that he that he should have done something differently. Uh, Are there no coachings like like in his ear saying, "Hey, buddy, it's fourth and inches. You got to go for it." I mean, Mike Patton in the booth. You know, someone there that has some has some some seniorship. I mean, what, what is what is Mike Patton's official title? Senior defensive assistants, but the senior tell matt nagy what the hell are you doing you know chris Tabor. someone has someone has to step up and tell matt nagy it's fourth and inches man what the what's happening here
1: okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say something and this is gonna sound like a job plug for myself but it's the the, the cbs crew i think uh, was that that's the one with boomer and Sims and those guys CBS—they were they blasting analytics. You know, like I want to see an analytics person stand up uh, and. I saw that clip And like going off, and I'm like, all right, well, clearly you do not understand anything about what analytics is. But here, if if you're a head coach in the NFL and you have a ton of money, I mean, you're going to make millions of dollars every year, and you're going to have a coaching staff. They're going to make good money, right? You can bring someone on who understands football and can also do math. Let's say they have a similar resume to me, right? I understand football. I understand math, right? I can look at a computer and I can kind of tell you like, hey, this is when you should go for it. This is when you should go for two, like those kinds of things, right? Pay me, you know, decent money to travel, to to be an assistant coach, the lowest of the assistant coaches. And I'm in the booth. And I'm, all I do is just give you that advice. The numbers say you should go for it here. The numbers say you should go for two. The numbers say you should punt. That's it. And then you say like, I got a guy, he said this. So it seemed like the math was on my side, right? Mm-hmm. Just pay me. That, you just, I'm not going to charge you a million dollars a year. Just pay me and I will do that service for you. I will give you that advice.
2: Some teams have an analytic guy. They on staff do staff. And they and they actually, I'm not sure how much they, the coaches actually talk to them, but I'd imagine the guy like Brandon Staley with the Chargers. I imagine he's a little younger. He may lean on that guy. You know, there are, you know, there are some franchises that, that have embraced the analytic side of, of sports. And, you know, we saw it in baseball with the with the Red Sox and what, what happened there with the whole thing with the 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 saber metrics, money ball kind of thing. And we kind of saw trickling the football. Some teams just don't want to embrace that and and i think that's a disservice to to what you're trying to do because you can learn a lot you know at the end of the day yeah you have to go with your gut but let's have a better i mean i think fourth and inches the math says go for that the gut should also say go for that the problem is that the balls told him not to go with that he had no balls on that play that was just a terrible decision he had to go for it there. terrible
1: well, you're afraid about getting more blown out than you already are, right? You're yeah. you're coaching for uh you know a, a a more graceful loss. And it's
2: just it's BS. It's, Same with that that last uh, the, the fourth quarter field goal. Like what, what's what's the point? Like, what are you trying to do here?
1: You know? Well, because you're almost certainly not going to record recover an on-site, which you end up doing. You end up doing uh, anyway. You know, yeah. So it's kind of you, you are trying to make it a two score game okay. Like I kind of get it, but yeah, I mean, eh, you know, the whole thing. All right. Um, you have, uh, I have my just one right. Left. That's yes. all I got left
2: is my just right. And I'm going to keep my special teams team going. You all talked to my already. Cairo Santos, uh, three for three field goals, three for three extra points. You know, we did, we, he has missed two field goals since he tried that ridiculous, uh, 60 would have 67 yard try he missed two cents then so there was a thought from a lot of fans like oh my god did matt nagy break santos but he has since you know hey he's back on a little bit of streak here you know and it's funny because we talked about the analytics the analysts would have told him told matt nagy do not try a 67 yard field goal but right that's, that's exactly the last place so do it. So, yeah. so here we go just right Cairo santos perfect again plus the onside kick we'll give him credit for that too because it was a nice bounce that it got
1: it's like me going out for a run and something saying like, you know what? I'm going to, I think you can run a six minute mile. You know, yeah. it's like, it's not physically possible for me to run a six minute mile Which, like, it's not going to happen. Like Kyle Santos is not going to hit a 65 yard, 68 or field goal, whatever it is, unless he's got a 50 mile an hour wind at his back. Like unless Matt he's playing in that said that's Buffalo a, game, but yeah, he, yeah. And and people, and yeah. That happened a while ago, but like people were coming, Oh, they wouldn't have got the touchdown anyway. It's like, you don't know. Like that at least had like a, a, a one in a thousand chance, not a 0% chance. Anyway, it's,
2: it's something you've never done in your life. You've never kicked the field goal that far in your life. He's not you a Physically you not have a strong enough leg to do it. Like you just can't do it. No. It's... So the odds of him throwing a, a, a crazy flea flicker play or a, or a hail Mary or catching a penalty, those odds are better. But that's, like you said, that's a few games ago. Let's, let's not harp on that one.
1: You and me running a six-minute mile. That's about, that's <laughs> about what a, the chances of that were. All right, let's 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 move on to the fields report. So um, I I was pretty impressed with the scrambling. Uh, yeah. And I mean, like, you know, he, he scrambles the throw, right? So that's good. But then when he decided to take off, he was more decisive. He got a big chunks of yardage. I think he finished with 74. I don't have the stats in front of me. Uh, 74 yards running. And most of that was from, from scrambles. There was, I think maybe one or two design runs, but for the most part, it was him making things happen. Um, Getting down early. He wasn't taking unnecessary hits, which was good to see. Um, I think the throwing, you know, obviously wasn't great. I think he's, he's still hurt. I think that was pretty clear. Um, He's still feeling every, every throw, Um, you know, no real play action still like i didn't see a lot i think i saw one and he went deep with it it was a the throw was out of bounds um kind of carried mooney out of bounds but uh, just just not a lot of play action for him which i just i just do not understand the the pick 6 was a bad throw it yeah. was just a bad throw it didn't have a lot on it you know he and i think that's probably part injury but he he has to know that if you're going to throw that pass it's got to come out early and it's got to come off fast and it goes back to like this coaching staff, you know, the, 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 the announcers kept talking about how Douglas is sitting on those balls. Yeah. Well, what happens when someone's sitting on that, those that are breaking on them early, you run a double move. Yeah. You you know, you you pump fake and go like in in a, none of that, like there was no attempt to that. And I don't even care if it doesn't hit. Like I would just like to see the coaches pick up on that and say, Hey man, that guy's creeping up. We got to burn him. And it just, it just didn't happen. But overall, I think some good stuff from fields, the throwing probably wasn't uh, nearly as good as we need it to be, but I'm also giving him a little bit of a minor pass with, with coming back from that injury. I just don't think he had everything he had at his disposal because of those ribs. What about you?
2: Maggie said that the, uh, that he threw the pick six, he threw it on time, which it's, it's debatable, you know, but I'm sure let's say, like you said, let's say he did throw it on time you have to make sure Douglas is off far enough to throw, make that throw. And like like you said, you know, Douglas was sitting on it. I mean, this is the second game in a row with the pick six, you know, that's what he's trying to do. And, you know, if your scouting should have, should have told your coaching staff, Douglas is what 31 at this point in his career. I know he's a little older, you know, he's sitting on these routes because he wants to make a play. You could beat him deep. So where were the double moves? Like you said, you know, this is, again, goes back to coaching staff and, you know, it's hopefully it's, it's only a few more weeks and of us having to, having to talk about the coaching staff, but you know, fields, like you said, his decisiveness when he was running the ball, I think was, was again, good. You know, this is something that he he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to run first, but the fact that he's showing that the willingness to do that, especially when it's there and he's getting the yards in chunks eventually this will open things up for him in the passing game it's kind of a weird uh, backwards thing to do that but you know this is what the bears offense gives you because like i said there's so many stagnant routes you know there's nothing there's nothing easy for justin fields i mean the 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 the, the two big long touchdowns that, that happened one was a quick flip on a jet sweep style play the other one was the quick angle route two short easy plays with your guys making plays with, with their feet. And that's what you want to see. You want to see some easy stuff, you know, some more screens, you know, there weren't a lot of rollouts. There weren't a lot of play action, you know, there weren't a lot of runs. I mean, that David Montgomery had one carry in the entire second half after being pretty successful early, you know, so Justin Fields is, he's doing what he's doing in spite of this staff, in spite of this. And we're going to see the best of him next year.
1: Yeah. I think it's a lot of, it's just, Surviving, right? Yeah. Just, just survive these last. Don't get games. hurt. Survive. See, get know, down. See if you can, yeah. See if you can get some positive stats. I mean, you know, the the last four games are not nearly as hard as they the road that they just went through. The Vikings are fighting for a playoff spot, so you know there is that. Seahawks aren't very good. The Giants are terrible, so you know, Giants have a good defense, but man, not even good defense. They they yeah. they're okay on defense, right? So you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what the, these last four games hold. But I, I think overall, you're hoping that he can stay upright. <laughs> you know, he can he can learn from mistakes that he's made. Um, I'd love to see him even up the interception and touchdown yeah. uh, ratio, right? A touchdown interception ratio. I think he's, you know I, guess, you know, I think he's minus four right now. I mean, whatever. He's at, at, least, at, least
2: two, at least two of his picks were just like last second. Let's chuck it up see what happens. So you have to understand that looking at his numbers, you know, so.
1: They count though. I mean, like they you come count back exactly. And be like, yep. Hey, he got a touchdown pass by flipping it uh, yep. six yep. inches on a, on a jet sweep. So, you know, it's one of those things where uh, at the end of the day, the numbers go in the books. Yep. And, and so, you, you know, I just like to see him even it up just, just for, for those purposes, but just because the, the, the negative ratios are
2: ugly and I don't want him to have an ugly mark on the record. So I'd like to see him maybe try to even that out. He's also creeping close to the Bears rookie passing touchdown record, which is getting close to that. He's got four games to do it. I think he's got a good shot. You know, we'll see what happens here. Like you said, the next few defenses aren't the best. The Vikings is the best defense they face. And, you know, even they're not the same Vikings of old. And, you know, that coaching staff is, you know, Viking fans. So they want Zimmer gone. You know, they think that, you know, they want a whole reset with that with that uh, franchise as well.
1: So he's got six touchdown passes and and our colleague Jack, Ten is the, 11 it's is the 11. It's, yeah. Okay, okay. Some some guy that you've never heard of from uh, from the forties, right? I can't even recall his name to be honest uh, with you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jack's going to be so upset. I know. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let, let's put this one in the
2: books. Because, hey, real quick, you know, let's talk yeah. about Alan Robinson, real quick. Oh, we yeah, I we he, didn't. I thought you might show. give him a cold bowl full of porridge. I was thinking about it, okay. and I'm like, well, I'll, I'll wait and see if you talk about him, but. <sighs> what's with Allen Robinson? His effort's not really there. I mean, there's that one play on Twitter today, making the rounds. There was some guys that that they saw it live when it happened. I didn't, I didn't see it live. I didn't catch it. But then the replay he's blocking for, for fields, fields is scrambling and Allen Robinson. I mean, it's, it's a stock block. I mean, wideouts don't pancake guys. They just get in the way. He got in the way. And then he just kind of walked out of bounds and and the play was not over. And he just kind of, you know, he is, I'm, I'm shocked. You know, I talked about on my show on Friday because he was back, he was finally back active, he's healthy. I expected a big game from him because he wants a paycheck. Yeah, that's the whole point of this. He wants to get a nice big contract coming up next year. If he's checked out, he no one's gonna pay him the money he thinks he's gonna deserve. So here's my opinion is you know,
1: I've talked to Alan Robinson once, right? I have no inside information here. So this is just my opinion, but I think he got some bad advice. Oh yeah, I I think that his his agent seemed like a bad, like has given him bad advice. I I don't know much more about his agent than that. He he's obviously not helping his cause on Twitter, but I think that his agent said, "No, that deal's not good enough. You can get more," and pushed him to not take the deal that the Bears were offering. And there's some pretty strong reports that the Bears felt like they had a deal with Allen Robinson.
2: There was something on the table. There was
1: something on the table and, you know, there's some, you know, we don't know directly, but indirectly seems like there was probably a a pretty good chance that that was going to get signed. And he walked away from it because he didn't feel like it was enough. It was, you know, obviously big numbers to us, right. You know, good, good money for, for a wide receiver one. And he was just looking for a little more. And, you know, he did the thing where he bet on himself, which, Okay, but if you bet on yourself, you have to go all out and give it, you know, the 100%, 110%. And he's just hasn't, like, he just has not gone in that direction. And, and it's, it feels a little bit like he's in his feelings. It seems like he's mm-hmm. in his feelings a little bit. And that has caught up to him because he has not, it, 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 it seems obvious when you watch that he's not giving it 100%. And that's not good that's not good for his future employment, right? Like, you know, it'll it'll be hard for me to imagine that he's going to get a long-term big deal now. And what's happened since he's taken this direction that he has where he's played under the franchise tag this year is that you've had two fantastic classes of rookie wide receivers, fantastic classes, where the talent pool at the wide receiver position has just been flooded with the last two rookie drafts. And a lot of people are like, it's going to keep happening. Yeah. There are a lot of it. We are now seeing the results of constant seven on seven play. And you have an amazing amount, a high volume of talented wide receivers coming into the league. And it's just going to keep happening. And if that's true, then why would you pay Allen Robinson or any other franchise or any other good wide receiver? Why would you pay them huge money when you have a scarcity of other positions that you have need to go after? You're going to go spend your money on corners. You're going to go spend your money on left tackles, right? You're going to go spend your money on positions that you you find it more difficult to find in the drafts where you can just draft guys like that, right? And so I think that he probably cost himself tens of millions of dollars for the decision that he made. And he has not done himself any favors in how he's acted this year.
0: He's
2: a very good football player, you know when, when when he's when he's playing up to his 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 top level there. But he does nothing exceptional for you on the football field. He's not he's not quick and shifty like these like these slot guys. You know he's not six foot four two twenty. You know he doesn't have you know four three speed. He's a very good route runner. Uh, he understands uh, what's happening with the defense in front of him. You know his skill set would work much better with like a Tom Brady with Aaron Rodgers, you know, and that, that may be where he ends up. He may end up playing with Aaron Rodgers somewhere next year and then we'll see that. But the fact that he turned down the money, like you said, and, and the fact that he's, he's went into this season and it just, you know, it hasn't worked, you know, and, you know, behind the scenes they are gonna have to really spin this him and his team, they're gonna have to spin this, that it was all Matt Nagy. This is all Matt Nagy's fault. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still that, that top guy. That's how they have to spin this. But I don't know if, if it's on film where, Like you said, there's so many good receivers coming in. You know, why would you pay a guy who's a good football player when you have a chance to draft a guy that can do some of the same things and you coach him up and it's going to cost you a fraction of the amount? I mean, is he going to be a guy that gets a 1,000 yards on his next team? I mean, is he going to be a number one where he goes wherever he ends up? Is he going to be a a true number one on that team? I don't see it. I see him more as a a complementary piece at this point in his career.
1: So I'm never going to – tell anybody that like, hey, you going out and trying to maximize the amount of income in your short professional career is the wrong thing to do because that is your choice. Yep. If I was an agent, my advice to a player would be not about maximizing, but it would be about optimizing. and It would be about understanding where you fit and what that fit can lead to in terms of success from a a professional level so that you can um, get another contract or that you can get endorsements. You can win a lot of games so you can get pro bowls, you know, like it, but a lot of guys, I think they look at the one paycheck that's right in front of them and they say, yeah, I'll go play for Jacksonville. I don't care. Like, let's, let's go that they're they're paying me a million dollars more to go to Jacksonville than it would be to go somewhere else. And it's like, okay, like I understand that that's your choice, but there may may be better decisions on the whole if you're going to go somewhere that they're going to use you better, it's a good coaching staff, you're paired with a good quarterback, you're going to put up a lot of stats, you're going to get a Pro Bowl and you're going to make more money later or you're going to make more money because you're in that market that you're going to be more noticed. You know, Whatever it is, we're going to market you in in a certain way. And so I feel like Robinson took the advice of let's maximize paychecks and what's on the table isn't enough. And my advice to him, if I would have been his agent is you're in Chicago, you're in a giant market and you're well-liked right now. And this team's starting to become on the up and you've got this new quarterback, like sign the deal, Yeah. like sign the deal and be this guy, you know, keep your roots here. You're a Midwest guy. Anyway, like, you know, you can really make a difference here. And I just think he got bad advice.
2: You know, he's done nothing publicly where he hasn't really said anything. I mean, he's kind of quiet about stuff. I mean, but like you said, he he could have Chicago. He would have had every record in the franchise, which of course, that's a very low, low bar for, for the position. But he could have had every record in the franchise. He would have been an, uh, an icon in the city. I mean, he was one of the most popular players in Chicago just a couple of years ago. Yeah, and then of course the whole thing with the money happens. It's it's funny with fans. It's it's with the contract. It's always the fans are split. Always, you know, it's pro player, pro owner, whatever it is. But but the fact that it got to that point where you know there was some stuff behind the scenes, and you know there was you know nothing ever said public, like I said publicly, but you know something's there. And then it's like, what are you doing? You know, it's but like I said, it's it's his choice. He made a decision. He's gonna probably regret it because. You know, I can't see the, the same amount of money he was hoping to get out there. But if he ends up getting a ring somewhere next year and, and chasing a ring like that, good for him. But, you know, the Bears gave him a nice three-year deal coming off an ACL surgery. They tagged him for $18.5 million this last year. He's made a pretty good chunk from the Chicago Bears. So
1: Yeah, he's made like $60 million, But, I, yeah. I mean, let's even talk about this. We are belaboring this, but I, I, I think it's a rich and interesting topic. Look at the guys that were around for a while that wanted to continue to be part of football. And they were Chicago Bears players. So we were very good. Lance Briggs. Lance Briggs is doing stuff in the media, right? Maybe he could have done that in other places, but Chicago gives him that opportunity. What about Matt Forte? Matt Forte is doing stuff, right? Matt Forte was a good running back. He wasn't a Hall of Fame running back by any stretch of the imagination. He's a good running back and he's got opportunities. What about yeah. Alex Brown? You know, Alex Brown you know, gave his career to the, to the most parts of the Chicago Bears, right? And had opportunities. You know, it, you see these guys and they, they're able to, to, to launch. Not even talking about the older guys, right? Not even talking about know yeah. O'Bradovich or, you know, Tom Waddle or like all these guys that like you, you put in this amount of time and you have that love of the franchise and, and the fan base and they'll support you for a really long time. And I, I think that that's gone. Like yeah. I think all the goodwill with Allen Robinson's gone. And I'm trying to think about it from, you know, it was just like a, a Brandon Marshall thing where Marshall you know had those great stats early better stats than Robinson in in, in some ways and he just kind of soured on the team and left and now everybody's like yeah Brandon Marshall whatever yeah. like we didn't draft him he was here for a while and then he kind of messed up Allen Robinson well we didn't draft him you know Jacksonville drafted him and he came here for a while yeah he did all right and now he's gone but he's kind of you know he kind of gave up on the team Bears fans aren't going to like him forever like the, the, I think he's I think he's done and so I think he's he's really just kind of given up that I don't know what he wants to do post career, but it's not going to be in Chicago.
2: in mean, Chicago. I mean, if he would have been the franchise's most prolific receiver, he had had opportunities. NBC yep. Sports, The Score, ESPN, without he would have had opportunities somewhere if he if, if he chose to. If that's climb. what he want, or, or at the very least, he could have had something as far as businesses, you know, locally. Right. You know, he could have, that could have been his gig, and you know, it's it's a shame because like like, like we're talking about, he is was so popular just a couple of years ago you know I, I was like you i was hoping he would have signed your long term you know because he is such a good guy off the field that's that goodwill is gone well there you go I, <laughs> what a downer to end the show yeah man, no that was terrible uh,
1: man all right well we got four of these left we'll try to come up with some uh, you know bigger topics but I, I have been thinking about him i have been thinking about that yeah you know one of the few players that i've gotten a chance to interview it's a good interview and i enjoyed yeah. talking to him um you know and i, I hope he does well i just uh, you know i just i think he's got bad advice and um i think that's unfortunate it makes me think maybe i should go into uh, sports uh, agent and you know give give players some better perspective here but. there it is uh make sure you're checking out the rest of the shows you know we're still cranking them out you know everybody's still got their show from here to the week uh from here to the end of the year we are probably going to start shifting our focus to some off season stuff uh EJ and I are going to bring on somebody to talk about GM candidates we do not know if Ryan Pace will be gone but we are going to take that uh, leap and say who are the GM candidates that are kind of interesting out there. So we're going to do that this week. Um, We'll probably then shift to talking about coaches. And so that's kind of how we're going to play our preview shows on on Bears over beers is we're going to just kind of shift to the off season. Uh, We'll be recapping this show, uh, the games on this show. Of course, Bill Zimmerman's got some great guests that he's got lined up to the end of the year. Of course, join Robert for the emotional uh, post game. You've got your T formation conversation on Friday's. Um, and yeah, tons of stuff on the site. Anything else you want to plug?
2: Is there another cheese type draft coming up? Cause that was fantastic. You and AJ did there.
1: Yeah, I made a mistake. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't, I kept seeing five and I thought I got five total cheeses, and so I wasn't prepared to take my last cheese. And I guess I redrafted a cheese. I apparently Gruyere and Swiss are the same thing. And I.
2: Oh, they're not. They're, they're different. I, they're
1: different. someone said they're the same.
2: There's baby Swiss. There's, there's a, uh, there's, there's regular Swiss. There's Lorraine Swiss. Come on. There's yeah. Plenty well, of
1: Swiss so there. I, I should have taken Gouda as my last pick and i feel like that would have you know equaled some things out ej won the poll because he took queso but i can make queso with the cheeses that i took so i don't i, I feel like i got robbed on the poll but i maybe not another you know uh draft that's quite as popular as the cheese draft but we'll try to have some fun
2: we'll do there's some a fun. there's the doing the new york show could be a pizza draft if there's enough what, varieties what, of what pe- like pizza
1: topping draft
2: i don't know it's something to kick around because if because you it's when it's new york chicago there's always a big debate which who has the better style of pizza maybe that's something you guys kick around is because uh i'm always here for nice i'm always here for a good food take yeah yeah
1: pizza topping draft i can i can kind of go with all right um all right well so (laughs) stay tuned for that stuff we'll do some fun stuff and uh until then until next time you know join us on youtube and and check us out on the website and everything else uh and we'll be here next week to recap the vikings monday night game until then bear down (laughs)